The Pat Kenny Show on News Talk with Matter Private Network. During current restrictions, don't ignore your health concerns. Our expert team is ready to help. Now, Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. Good morning, Luke. Good morning, Pat. Now, you've been looking at how viruses evolve and in the case of the coronavirus that we're dealing with, uh, what might happen next? Well, yet again, a huge amount of research happening on, obviously, on on COVID, but uh, in general, viruses and how they evolve and we're learning more and more about them all the time. And as we know, Delta has emerged as a variant that seems more fit. And as you know, evolution is all about survival of the fittest. And then it's random. People often forget evolution is a very random process. But you will end up with more advantageous traits, say, in a virus that might survive more and more and much of this is predictable Pat, because you know early on you, you and I would have discussed it doesn't mutate at the same rate as flu COVID doesn't you know so we, we wondered would, would more variants crop up or not but there's so much of it you do see variants and now we've got Delta which is twice as infectious so of course that starts to spread more you know and then the big question is will it keep evolving and they're trying to figure out now where this is going to sort of head I suppose in the next in the next period. Now, it doesn't have a brain. That's not what happens. It's just it has this incredible uh, desire in itself, the virus, to survive. It's, in theory, not going to put itself in harm's way. In other words, if it kills people and the host dies... Well, it dies too. That's Thank right. you very much. That's right. And if, if it makes you really sick, you see, that's not good for the virus either. Because if you're really sick, you either die or you say or you stay home and don't spread it. You know. And of course, the ones that can spread most are the ones that will dominate because that's obvious in a way. You know. And Delta's spreading everywhere because it's so transmissible. But it doesn't seem to be make, making people especially sick. It, it does create a slightly higher viral load in people, so that there's, there's more virus in the people who are infected. And what this means, Pat, is it's probably more harmful to unvaccinated people. Remember, because it, there's more virus around in people from Delta, you know, whereas if you're vaccinated, mm. that'll limit the viral load. And so therefore, this, this justifies vaccination even more when you see a more transmissible version yeah. out there. You're very wise to take a vaccine because this one will probably make you much sicker than the previous variant, if you see what I mean. So, yeah. but, but you're right, though, it doesn't want to kill people because that, that, that's nowhere to go then. I was reading an article this morning, uh, the 99 percenters, they're calling him, the vast majority of Americans who are getting serious cases of COVID-19 or dying are actually the unvaccinated. And it turns out that uh, it's only 0.65 of 1% of the people who are hospitalised, less than 1%, yeah, yeah. Uh, were, were those who were doubly vaccinated. Right. So vaccination is a huge preventer of hospitalisation and it's less than 1% of the people who die in America yeah. um, are unvaccinated so or are doubly vaccinated. That's so right. vaccination is the key. Incredible data. But I mean, again, that would have been predictable from the trials. We knew these vaccines were tremendous, you know, from clinical trials. We then go into humans, we see a protecting in humans and then we see a new variant arising and you're absolutely right. This, this is going to make unvaccinated people sicker and that's exactly what's happened. So that was all predictable in a way. But it's great. To see. It's amazing data, Pat, isn't it, to see that. Mm-hmm. So, so yet again, the Advice: If you want to have the best chance against this virus, get vaccinated. Is the message from that data? It's not based on, you know, sort of a notion. The data is there to support yeah. that. Now, uh, what about the idea that it might go into animals? You know, we suspect that we may have got it from animals or from the lab, depending on which conspiracy theory you believe. Uh, but the idea that it would go back into animals. Yeah, that's happened to other viruses. So so we now infect an animal, like the mink was a good example. As you may remember, we've had minks were getting infected. Mm-hmm. There's a risk of a changing in the mink or some other animal and going back into us. So in other words, evolution can happen in other creatures and the virus can change there as well. And now a new one emerges in those animals, if you like, and they're re- 
reinfects us and that could be another source of you know a more d- dangerous virus in a way back and forth between us and animals and that's something that they're watching for closely of course which is very important um, but these, these things are all being monitored they're predicting Pat by the way this will continue to change we will see more variants that's, that's like the flu basically because the flu does that and booster shots will be variants that, that's the definite prediction now especially UK scientists saying say next winter for instance there'll be a campaign against whatever the variant is and that will protect us yeah, and it looks like, uh, you know, this process will happen again and again where you get um, some uh, strange virus going into an animal, going into us, and we are the most widely dispersed uh, species on the planet. So um, yeah. we will be the carriers. But they're, they're actually working very hard in parts of the world to predict and then potentially avoid the next epidemic. That's right. Now, that's, that's the next question for scientists. People shouldn't be worrying there'll be another huge pandemic in the coming months that'll put everything backwards. That's very unlikely. But there is the risk of more pandemics. And we've known this for decades anyways, you know, so that even more now than ever, they're trying to pre- prepare for that, you know, and try to mitigate against it, I guess. And and there's no doubt that overpopulation is one reason for this, because the, the more of us that are there, the more likely it is a virus will jump into one of us. You know, an overpopulation is being seen now as a big risk for, for future pandemics. But but in Gabon is the country that, that's really interesting. They've set up a fantastic screening system to look for new viruses, basically. And they've set up special labs. The Japanese are helping them and the European Union. Union and this is the early detection of viruses. So they're taking blood samples of people who've got a fever, that they've started people with fevers and they're identifying what virus is in that person. And they're finding, I mean in Gabon you've got Zika, yellow fevers there already, a virus called chikungunya which actually my lab has worked on. So they see those already but of course they're looking for new ones. You know, So in other words, we will see more and more of this by the way, Pat, there will be special sentinel labs in different countries where there's a risk of, of another pandemic and they'll be measuring this the whole, and put the fire out quickly is the idea. And of course it's extremely important because we don't want another pandemic by any means, do we? So so all those things are, are underway. Now, the other thing that looks very promising is um, DNA vaccines. How are they different from uh, the mRNA vaccines? And, you know, are they going to be cheaper? Are they going to be better? Yeah, this is, this is really good because we've always thought that DNA vaccines might be useful. They were making them for quite a while before COVID. Now, what this is, is you're using the DNA molecule. That, that's what the vaccine's made of. And you inject DNA into someone. That makes the RNA. And the RNA then makes the spike, in this case. And then you make an immune response. Now, of course, the RNA cuts out the DNA. You can just use RNA directly. And that's what the Pfizer and, and Moderna vaccines are. But DNA was always a prospect because it's much more stable. It's easier to store. You don't need these ultra-cold temperatures. And you don't need to use a knee amazingly Pat you you can get this DNA into your skin using a kind of high pressure device and that was always a prospect but now they've got one it's called Zycovd it's made by an Indian very reputable Indian vaccine manufacturer they've done trials they got a high level of efficacy in the trial and it's a DNA vaccine that doesn't need to be injected now you can imagine Pat if that gains traction people would prefer not to be injected somewhat anyway and then it is showing this high efficacy so they've now basically I guess you might say cracked the DNA technology to get another type of vaccine and it gives us yet another vaccine to use against COVID. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Now, some of the queries coming in. Can you ask Luke for his view on boosters only being given to the over 80s in the community rather than, say, the over 65s or 70s, particularly given Dr. Fauci's comments earlier in the week when he said there's a slight suggestion in a couple of the cohorts that there is diminution of protection against hospitalisation together with death rates in the UK, particularly in Northern Ireland and Israel? Really important question, Pat. No, Fauci made a great speech yesterday. He said they should really be three-shot vaccines. That's the 
the first thing he said because the evidence now is three shots work fantastically well and there are like hepatitis B is a three shot vaccine and you give three and it's mm-hmm. a bit more laborious because you've got to go back for a third shot there's a good chance that COVID vaccines will become three shot to give a huge immune response that might last for years and that, that's what Fauci's saying and then we will have a really effective vaccination campaign you know but in this period they're now beginning to vaccinate the vulnerable they're doing it stepwise I think so they're beginning with the most at risk first so the over 80s obviously is yeah. high risk and then the ones in care homes are next you know over 60 I've no doubt they'll ramp it down watch and that would be the advice certainly the over 60s you'd, you'd be given because there is a risk between 60 and 65 as well remember of, of disease so I think they're just doing it stepwise would be my, my view of it different countries are doing it different ways some countries are just doing the immunosuppressed first the ones on immunosuppressants they're being given the third shot at the moment you know others are doing what we're doing you know so we'll see a mix of things but ultimately we'll see a, a vaccination camp a booster campaign yeah. down to, to the over 60s I would predict you, you would hope that when they start doing it because uh, it doesn't seem as if supply is going to be an issue um, and affordability because we're a developed country we can afford it too but that they'll have it ready for uh, maybe in conjunction with the flu yeah. shot because it might be hard to get people in twice. It might be. Yeah, that's the big thing, of course. And, and absolutely in with the flu shot is the ideal here in some ways. Secondly, Pat, Fauci said this, we've still got to get the developing world vaccinated. So he wants both things to happen simultaneously. In other words, we shouldn't still be just thinking about rich countries. We've got to get vaccine out to developing countries at the same time as the booster campaign. And that just means supply, Pat, you're right. I think as I mentioned to you, um, they're predicting 22 billion doses are being made at the moment between Pfizer and Moderna, which is a huge amount of vaccine, you know, so we should be able to get it out to the developing world at the same time as a booster campaign. My elderly parents are very fatigued lately, says Tony in Fox Rock. They just tested negative for COVID, but is there any way of knowing if they're suffering from long COVID from a past infection, perhaps one months and months ago? It, it, it's hard to diagnose long COVID is the issue but in a sense there's many different types of symptoms and then patients differ now it, it could be that because fatigue is, is a key feature you know I don't think there's much evidence of saying you were vaccinated or infected say six months ago and then you get long COVID six months later that's unlikely you know because obviously it's going to be triggered quite soon after after the infection you know so it's probably something else but it's just something to watch and again any, any concerns talk to the GP Another one about vaccines. Could you ask Luke, Luke if someone got the uh, Johnson & Johnson, the Janssen vaccine, uh, what will or should be the booster vaccination profile? Should it be just one other shot um, and should it be uh, Janssen again or what should it be? That's the next challenge for NIAC. Some countries have started giving us a booster to the ones that have had Janssen because that was a one-shot vaccine as we know you know so it wouldn't surprise me but they, they'll be called in potentially the Johnson and Johnson now the truth is that vaccine is working for six months remember there's good data that the single shot is very effective that's good you know but it will be an RNA vaccine there's no doubt now that uh, they're going to use RNA vaccines as boosters because because that's that's the yeah. one that's really fantastic you know so we'll see I, I guess I, I would predict though that you will we'll, we'll see a gradual booster campaign down through age as you see and, and Johnson and Johnson may be on the list yeah. there but anyway, it won't be three shots, uh, given that the Johnson & Johnson gives a sufficient protection for six yeah. months, So, That's which right. is what the Pfizer is giving and so on. Um, Luke is correct about overpopulation. It's the biggest threat to the planet, yet hardly any mention about it when you talk about climate change. Nature will always try to find a yeah. way. That's from Darren yep. and Kildare. In other words, if we get too overpopulated on the planet, a plague will come along and well, kill right. us all. Which is very rare, Pat. These are rare events of, of a bat infecting a human, right? And it's, a, it's an unusual mutated virus jumps from a bat into a human. The more humans there are, the greater chance the bat would infect one of us, you know? And we're going into the territory where these animals live. So there's no doubt overpopulation is a key risk factor for a future pandemic and, and has to be really importantly to consider. 
yeah. Encroaching on areas where yeah. they, perhaps even some of the indigenous peoples live happily in communion with these creatures, but very much like when the white man brought his infections yeah. to the developing world centuries ago, perhaps indigenous peoples who are in, immune to these infections because they've lived with them for so long, will end up giving them to us. Absolutely. And remember, when we went to North America, all those, not us, but uh, in the expedition, people died of measles in their droves in North America because we brought it to the North American, the Native Americans, and they had no immunity. You know, so this is the, the history of infection, actually, is humans going somewhere else often, you know, and getting infected themselves or bringing an infection with them. Oh, fascinating stuff. Uh, Luke, thank you very much for joining us. Professor Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. Oh, one last question, Luke, if you're still there. Yep. Could you ask, Luke, will children under 12 be vaccinated, do you think? That's from John and I don't, I don't think so, no. And I think you, you, we don't need to vaccinate the under 12s. It looks like the evidence is very strong now that if we have enough adults vaccinated and over 12s, the spread into that age group is tiny, you know. And then the other thing will be, of course, giving the supply away, you know, because remember, it's such a mild disease in under 12s that there's no justification at the moment, really, in my view anyway. Some immunologists would say we should, though, because that will get rid of the virus entirely from our communities, you know. So there's a difference of opinion, but but in my view, there's no need to at the moment. All right, Luke, thanks again. 